while you're standing, let's take our Bibles and be turning to the book of James, and we'll read a few verses, have prayer, get right into the message, um, say a word or two about our recording and our uh, online presence. We're still doing that. We had a, we've had a couple of hiccups with that. One was last Wednesday evening when I was sort of at the last minute, not able to be here, and we didn't get that one online, and then Sunday morning there was a problem, I think, so we haven't perfected it by any stretch of the imagination. We're working on it as now, but we're, for those who are not able to come, um, we'll doing our, doing our part to make that available to you. Let's look in James chapter 5 and verse 13. I'm going to read through verse 18, James chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. For the sake of emphasis, because I really want to emphasize the subject of prayer, I'm going to ask you to participate with me as I read through this passage. Every time we come to the word pray or prayer or prayed, um, I want you to say the word out loud with me, okay? So it'll help you kind of stay focused. And uh, when we come to the word prayer, I better hear from you. All right, so let's begin in verse 13. Is any among you afflicted? Let him... Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he earnestly that it might not rain. It rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Obviously, prayer is a big part of this text, wouldn't you agree? It's mentioned, I believe, seven different times, and about different occasions, different people praying, different purposes to pray, and, and even different principles, really, uh, that ought to guide our praying. And so tonight, for a little while, we're going to look at this passage and a very important subject, just a reminder about the matter of prayer. Let's pray as we begin. Father, we thank you for the privilege, the exercise of prayer. And Father, even as we pray tonight, we realize that there's so much about prayer that we may not understand, and we know there's a lot about prayer that we may not practice as we should. And so we pray that you would help us, all of us, Lord, just to uh, take this seriously. We ask you, Lord, that you would work in our hearts and minds. We pray the Spirit of God would be our teacher. Remind us of things that maybe we need, just need to be reminded about. And uh, Lord, just help us, Lord, to be men and women of prayer. You said that your house would be called a house of prayer, and so we pray that you'd just help us however you would deem necessary 
beneficial for us, profitable. We pray for that. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. A great passage, and of course, um, some of the principles we're going to look at together tonight, and also just look a little bit at the person that the Bible uses as an example for our praying, and of course, that's the great uh, prophet, Elijah, Elias. But I just want to begin by thinking about the privilege of prayer. Um, You would think everything that could be said has been said about that, but it's just good to be reminded of what an amazing privilege it is that we can talk to God. I mean, that God, God would give us audience with Him. And maybe we take it for granted sometimes. Maybe we, we just overlook it at times. But the, the fact that God would listen to my prayers is an amazing thing. That I, could, that I could open my mouth and direct my attention to the Almighty, to the Creator of everything that is, and know that I have His undivided attention. That's an amazing thing, I think, to ponder. Uh, Peter wrote about it in 1 Peter 3 when he said this, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and His ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. God doesn't hear everyone's prayers. Matter of fact, His face is against, the Bible says, those that do evil. But His ears are open unto the prayers of the righteous. He's listening. Now, we may not be talking to Him, but He's listening when we do. I'm glad for that. And why is that so? It's because we're His children. You know, when Jesus taught us about prayer... One of the places he taught us about prayer in Matthew chapter 6, he says, and the pray, In this manner pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We, the reason we can talk to God like that is not because of who we are in ourselves, it's because we're a part of his family. We've been adopted into his family. I may, I may at times ignore my children. I do at times ignore my children. But God does not ignore his children. God hears our prayers. And uh, God, so he's our father. God is our father. And he's a good father. Jesus said in the gospel of Luke that if we being wicked and evil know how to do good things for our children, how much more will our father in heaven do good things for his children? It's a privilege. Now, I don't, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to acknowledge this in any way. But I would... I would invite you tonight to think about how often we take advantage of that privilege. Now, most of us, I think, would agree with this. That, you know, when our world is really falling apart, when we get a bad report from the doctor, when we have a follow-up on some uh, procedure we've had done, when we hear that we may lose our job, we have a tendency to pray during those times, and that's a good thing. But we shouldn't just pray when we're in trouble, amen? God, our Father wants to hear from us. So it's a great privilege, and we have Elijah here. I'm going to just skip down to Elijah for a moment there in verse 17 as an example in prayer. And I want to emphasize this having to do with the privilege of prayer because it says in verse 17, Elias was a man 
subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And I, I want to just touch on not the, the, the great answer to prayer that he had, because he had a great answer to prayer. God, he prayed that God would turn the water off, and God shut, shut the rain off for three and a half years. But the part I want to think about is the fact that it says he was a man subject to like passions as we are. Now, what does that mean? It means that he was in every way as human as you and I are. He wasn't a super, he wasn't a super man. He was a mortal man. He, he had the same struggles you and I have, and yet he was a man of prayer. And so, you know, you could say, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not a preacher. I, whoever you are, wherever you are in your journey, if you're a Christian, you have the same, the same invitation, the same opportunity. I have the same as Elijah did, and that is that we can come to him because he was just like we are. As a matter of fact, we're not going to turn to it, but if you're familiar with his life, he struggled with stuff we struggle with. He struggled with fear. He struggled with discouragement. You know, he ran from Jezebel. He considered the worthlessness of his own life, this great man that we look at with such esteem. He, he was a man like we are. He, he was not superhuman. He, you say, well, I can't really go to God because I have this human, uh, these human tendencies. So did he. And yet he went to God and prayed. So, so we, we need to be more like him. Not, not just the fact that we struggle with the things he struggled with, but we exercise this privilege. It's a privilege to pray. Think about it, young person, just right now. I mean, how many times today have you individually, personally, talked to God on your own initiative? You just talked to God and said, Father, I just want to talk to you for a minute. I've got something I need to talk to you about. It's a privilege to be able to pray. And, and if we don't pray, it has a lot of, it, it, it has a lot of uh, negative results. I mean, we're missing out on great opportunities. By the way, why are we here? Why, why did God put us here? I mean, besides being cool and being popular and, you know, what, having fun, why did God put us here? And can I just state the obvious? God put us here that we would fellowship with Him and know Him. That we have a relationship with God. And the best way, the most natural way should be for us to, ex to enjoy that is to talk to God. To fellowship with God. And I'm going to move on to some other things. But you know, if we don't, we, let's not miss this. Because we're to be men and women of prayer. We talk to God routinely. We talk to God on a regular basis. We talk to God because He's our Father. We talk to God because we need Him and we love Him. So we see in this passage the privilege of prayer, but the second thing I want to talk about tonight is, is the occasions that are laid out before us in these verses, these seven different references to prayer. And I just want to touch on each one of those. Look in verse 13. It says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Two things about that. Number one, we ought to pray when we're afflicted. But also, this, this particular mention of prayer in verse 13, it says when, you know, if you're afflicted, you pray. Is any among you afflicted, let him pray. Sometimes we pray for other people. Tonight we prayed for other people. Sometimes we ask people to pray for us. 
And, and there's nothing wrong with that. We're going to cover that. But young person, when you have a need, you can talk to God. You can talk to him individually. You can talk to him personally. You can go to him directly. You don't have to go through the preacher. You don't have to go through a priest. You don't have to go through any chains of uh, command. You just go directly to God. You can go, at, by, we can, matter of fact, Hebrews says we can come boldly to the throne of grace, boldly to the presence of God to obtain mercy and grace for help in time of need. You individually, you can go right to God. If you're saved, he's your father. We can talk to God. So we ought to talk to him when we're inflicted. Now, what does that mean, afflicted? It means we're having a hard time. It could mean that we're having problems. It could mean we're having struggles or difficulties or situations. And you don't have to. I mean, it's good to mention a prayer request on Wednesday night service or some other time. It's good to send out a text and say, would you pray for me? But you can talk to God yourself anytime you have a problem. Matter of fact, Jesus said in Matthew's gospel that when you pray, you can enter into your closet and shut the door. That means you're alone. You shut the door, you pray to your Father in secret, and your Father which seeth in secret shall reward you openly. So we can individually pray. We can talk to God. We can go directly to God with our problems. A few weeks ago, we were talking about Hezekiah's situation when he was sick, and, and uh, the Lord sent Isaiah to him and, and said, uh, this sickness is unto death. You need to get your house in order. And what did Hezekiah the king do? He turned him, the Bible says he turned himself and he, and he talked to God. He cried out to God with tears. He wept. He, personally. Elijah was, Elijah had just left, uh, uh, Isaiah should say, Isaiah had just left him. But he didn't have to pray through Isaiah. He just prayed to God. He talked to God himself. So number one, we can pray. You can pray individually when you're afflicted. I was... Uh, reminiscing uh, when we were with uh, Shelly and the family uh, during Peter's ordeal. I was reminiscing when, my, when I was in a situa similar situation with my mother, when my mother was on a ventilator and had been for a long time, and we were trying to get her off of it, trying to breathe it on her own. And there was a crisis moment when um, we were there, myself and my two brothers were around the bed with my mother and we were discussing whether we were going to... She was very conscious, very alert, conversing with us. We were talking openly with her about the decision of whether to remove that breathing tube or not because it didn't look like she was ever going to be able to breathe on her own. That's, those moments, if you've never been there, those are tough places to be. And so I'm standing on one side of the bed, my two brothers on the other side of the bed, and my younger brother looked across the bed at me and he says, Tom, why don't you pray? And I was glad to pray, and, and we, the Lord brought us through that situation. But the point is, there's nothing wrong with asking other people to pray, but we can pray on our own. If we know the Lord, we can talk to God on our own. So the first thing we see here is when we are afflicted, we individually, verse 13 says, is any among you afflicted, let him pray. Let the one that's afflicted pray. By the way, wouldn't there be something a little bit wrong with this? If I was asking other people to pray for my needs and I wasn't even praying for my needs myself, wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree there's something? You say, well, I can't, I just, I don't know that God will hear me. If you're his child, talk to him with an honest heart 
and he'll hear you. So we can pray when we're afflicted, but then look in verse 14, it says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So not only can we pray for ourselves when we're afflicted, but we can ask for prayer, according to the Bible. We can ask others to pray for us when we're sick. That's exactly what he says. And particularly, here it says, let him call for the elders of the church, the pastors of the church. Have them pray specifically over them. And so we see this example throughout the scripture of people who not only prayed for their own needs, but they asked for other people. Please pray with me about this. We see it in the Gospels often where people would come to Jesus on behalf of someone else. Jairus came to Jesus on behalf of his 12-year-old daughter who was critically ill. People came to Jesus on behalf of other people. Uh, the familiar story of the Syrophoenician woman who came to Jesus on behalf of her, her child, her daughter. So, so number one, we can pray for our own needs and we're commanded to, we're encouraged to. By the way, Back to that subject, back to that point. You know, if you or I asked the church to pray for something and the answer came in such a clear way that we knew God had heard our prayer, then that, that's a great faith booster in our life, right? We see that God answered our prayer. But let me tell you what will help you even more than that. It's when you alone pray for something. And just you ask God, and God answers your prayer. And you know it wasn't because Brother Scott was praying or Bryson was praying. It was because you were praying. God heard your prayer. So you can pray individually. We can pray individually. Second of all, we can ask other people to pray, especially when we're sick. We can ask other people to pray. And it's biblical to do that. By the way, most people who come before the church and say, please pray for this need, have probably already prayed for it individually. But they're asking other people to join them in praying for that. So we're to pray for those that are sick, and we can ask for prayer for the sick. Then look in verse 16, where it says, confess your faults one to another. Obviously, it's talking to the Christian family, brothers and sisters in Christ, the church, it says, confess your faults one to another. And here's the verse, verse 16, the phrase, and pray one for another that you may be healed. So the third example of prayer, occasion for prayer, first of all, we can pray for our own needs. Number two, we can pray, uh, ask for prayer from other people when we're sick. Thirdly, we're to pray for one another. We're to pray for each other. Um, it's never been easier to communicate prayer requests with other people than it is today. I mean, you can get on your phone, you can send a request to a person, to several people, in our case, in our church family, just with a couple of just a clicks, the entire church family can see this request and pray for it. So we're to pray for each other. Um, hold your finger right there in James and turn to the right just a little bit to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5 is talking about when a person has committed serious sin. And um, 
Verse 16 it says, If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death. Now there is a sin unto death, and it goes on and says this. And you might ask, well, how do you know if he committed the sin unto death? Well, it would be obvious, because he died. Um, But if you see somebody sin, if I see somebody sin, if you see a brother sin, what should you do? It says in verse 16, he shall ask, if you see your brother sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. And when it says he shall ask, what do you think it's talking about? To me, it has to be he can pray for them. He can ask. He can ask God. When you see a person sin, then you can pray for them. We're to pray for each other. That's what I'm saying. We're to pray one for another. He goes on and says, there's a sin unto death, and I do not say that he shall pray for it. If, it's, if that's the case, then you'd be wasting your time praying. But we're to, we, ha, we are called upon, we're instructed, we're encouraged to pray for each other. And... I'm sure, I know in my life that there have been times when I've said, I'll pray for you, and maybe I didn't pray. It's one thing to say, I'll pray for you. It's another thing to do, actually pray. Sometimes on social media, somebody will send a prayer request out and somebody will like it. And I'm not sure if like it means, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad you're having this problem or I'm glad you sent this out. Or, or does it mean you can count on me to pray for you? But it's one thing to say I'll pray for you. It's another thing to pray for us. Just like we mentioned today, we sent out a note about uh, Brother McMillan and the health issue he was having, asking people to pray. That's biblical. We're to pray for each other. As we mentioned Shelly and her family. We pray for them numerous times every day. We're praying for them. That's biblical, to pray for one another. So when James is writing this, he's giving us different occasions to pray. When you have a problem, first of all, pray about it yourself. When you're sick, you can ask other people to pray for you. And and when you have other needs, we can pray for one another. Let's go back to Elias, if we could, or Elijah in verse 17 of James chapter 5. James 5, 17, and Elias, or Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. Now that's an interesting prayer request. I preached a whole sermon on this some years ago. He prayed for a drought. He asked God earnestly. He begged God, please stop the rain from coming. And that's, that's really worth pondering, isn't it? He prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And then verse 18 says, And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So first he prayed for a drought, and his prayer was answered. And then he prayed for rain, and his prayer was answered. So we're talking about different opportunities to pray. And to me, I would say this is not only a prayer for yourself. It's not only a prayer for someone that's sick. It's not only a prayer for a brother or sister in Christ. He was praying for God to work in his society, in his culture, in his country, in Israel. Elijah prayed for Israel. Now, it's interesting. The first time Elijah's mentioned, 
was when the Bible says in 1 Kings that he went before King Ahab and basically he just made an announcement to Ahab. Ahab, and we're talking about going into the palace and talking to the king. And he made this announcement, Ahab, I just want to let you know that it's not going to rain a drop until I say so. So that's pretty interesting. Pretty interesting, right? But, and we never hear of Elijah before that. Nothing, we're not introduced to him in any other way. But we know this about him. He had a relationship with God. He had a walk with God. And he came, not because he just dreamed this up. He came because God had sent him to. But he also knew that he'd been, he was going to pray that it would not rain. And he didn't just pray one time, I don't think. It says he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And I think what he was doing, it seems like what he was doing, was he was praying for God to do whatever it takes to get the nation of Israel's attention. This will get your attention. You go three and a half years without rain. Imagine that. It didn't rain. Imagine what it would be like here in our area if it did not rain for three and a half years. You wouldn't be mowing the grass, right? The average rainfall in Israel is 23 inches a year, annual rainfall. That's about half what ours is here in mid-America and Missouri, but still, that's a lot of rain, 23 inches. It didn't rain for three and a half years. Imagine what that would do to the economy. What would that do with the cost of produce if you went to the grocery store? If it hadn't rained in three and a half years. Ahab, because of this, Ahab the king hated the prophet Elijah. When, when, he was, when he first saw the king after this period of drought, this was the king's word. These were the king's words to uh, the, the prophet Elijah. He said, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? What he was saying is, Elijah, this is all your fault. This is all your fault. You caused this great problem, this great conflict. And during that time, Jezebel was taking it all out on the prophets, the preachers. There were a lot of prophets. And there was a man who had a hundred, a hundred preachers hidden in a cave and was sustaining them for a hundred, a hundred of these people when there's a great drought going on. The point is this. You know, times were tough. And it was because he was praying for God to work in Israel, to work in their nation and I, and I think that's worth mentioning tonight because this is another aspect of prayer. Yes, we pray when we feel pain. And we pray when we get sick. When we have problems, we pray. Financial trouble, we pray. We pray when, we're, when we may be losing our job, we pray. We pray when our health is being tested, we pray. We not only pray for those things, we ask other people to pray for us. All that's biblical. But this is another aspect of prayer, and that is praying for, really praying for God to do whatever it takes to bring revival, for God to work in a nation. You know, God can work in your life and answer your prayer. God can work in my life and answer our prayer. God can work in someone else's life and answer to your prayer, to my prayer. God can do that. But Elijah was asking God to work in Israel, in his nation, and God did that. God got their attention. And obviously I'm thinking about where we are as a country. And 
I wonder if we're getting the message. I'm wondering if we're hearing, if, if people are turning to God, if people are thinking more about God. People are upset and complaining about a lot of different things. And sometimes we have reason to complain and be upset. But really, why don't, I wonder how many people are thinking about this. Maybe God is allowing all this to happen, maybe so people will turn to God and think about God. So we need God. We don't need just God to work in our personal life. We need God to work in our country. So all these are occasions for prayer. Spelled out here in James chapter 5. So we've talked about the privilege of prayer. We've talked about these occasions in the Bible that we can pray. And there are others, but these are right here in this text. But there's a third thing that I want to mention. And that is just some simple principles or guidelines here in James chapter 5 that have a lot to do with our praying. I hope you'll think about these three things. Number one, we see the acknowledgement of sin and the confession of sin. Look in verse 15, it says, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. In verse 16, it says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that he may be healed. You know, we send out a prayer bulletin, we send out a prayer request, a prayer chain notification, and we, as we send it out, we ask people to pray, and we want people to pray. We need people to pray. We ought to pray. But you know what this verse says? Look what it says in verse 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. Confessing faults, confessing our sin, making sure our life is on where it needs to be should be a prerequisite for us praying. You know, it would be very, I believe, very naive, very foolish, very presumptuous on my part for me to think that I just always have immediate, unlimited access to God and have the assurance that He's going to answer if I'm not taking my own spiritual life seriously. Confessing our sins should preface that. Confessing our sin, not just confessing our sin to God. We ought to confess our sins to God first and foremost, but even acknowledge where we've been wrong with one another. Confess your sins to each other. I believe, I believe in praying. I believe it's... I believe it's uh, a great privilege. And I believe it's necessary to see God work. We ought to be asking God. You have not because you ask not. But I don't believe that we should expect God to hear and answer our prayers when we're not taking our spiritual life as seriously as we ought to. I find that here in these verses. Can I expect God to hear my prayer if I'm living in rebellion? If I'm living in disobedience? Can I expect God to hear and answer my prayers if I've got aught between someone else and I'm not making that right? If I'm, if I'm carrying a grudge? Should I expect God just to automatically move it at my every request if I'm not serious about my personal relationship with God. And I think most people here would agree, no, we shouldn't. We couldn't. It wouldn't be right. In Proverbs 28, it says this, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, 
Now think about these words. He that turneth away his ear, from, that means he's not going to listen to what God says. He turns away his ear from hearing the law. The verse goes on to say, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. See, if I'm, if I'm living in disobedience and rebellion, the Bible says, if I'm not listening to God, then my prayer will be an abomination. God's not going to just, just... I'm not saying God's callous or cold, but God wants something more than just to give you what you think you need or want or what I ask for. God wants us to be close to Him. And prayer is a part of that fellowship and communion with God. So one of the things we see in these guidelines here, we not only see the occasions to pray and the privilege of praying, but we see these simple guidelines, and one of them has to do with confession, keeping our sins confessed. The second thing we see in this is, has to do with Elijah again, verse 17 and 18 where Elijah prayed for two things. In verse 17, he prayed that it might not rain. And then he prayed again for rain. He prayed for two different things. He prayed for the rain not to come, and then he prayed for the rain to come. And what does this say to us? This is one of the things that, that stands out to me in this passage is that our prayers must be according to God's will. You know why he prayed that it would not rain? Because that was God's will. He knew that was God's will. You know why he prayed that it would rain? Because it was time to turn the water on. He knew it was God's will. You know, um, you're, you're out there in the neighborhood, but James chapter 5, turn to the right a little bit to 1 John chapter 5, just to the right of 10 pages or so. 1 John chapter 5, and it says in verse 14, and this is the confidence that we have in Him, talking about in the Lord, and this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. We can know God hears us when we're asking for something according to His will. Verse 15 goes on to say, and if we know that He hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions. The petitions are the things we're asking for. We know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. God is not obligated to answer my prayers just because I want something. He's more apt to answer my prayers when I'm asking for something that He wants. We ought to pray according to His will. When Jesus was teaching that model prayer, I mentioned earlier in Matthew chapter 6, a part of that model prayer when he says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. That's a part of the prayer. That's the prayer that Jesus said to pray. God, we want your will to be done. And Elijah knew it was God's will that it would not rain for three and a half years. That'd be a hard prayer to pray, wouldn't it? The wells may dry up, the springs would dry up. And the first place that he went, Elijah went, after he prayed, down by the brook, and the brook and the raven came twice a day and brought him food. 
But the brook dried up. You know why the brook dried up? Because he was asking God not to let it rain. We ought to pray according to God's will. Lord, what do you want? And no matter, we have things that we want, and I'm glad for the promises about what we want, our desires. But the most important thing is God's will. What does God want? So prayers, these are great promises about prayer, but let's not leave out the fact that we have to deal with our sin if we're going to really believe God's going to answer our prayer. And second of all, if we're going to really believe God for, prayer, for things we're praying for, we need to make sure it's God's will. Just because I want something to happen doesn't mean God wants it to happen. Right? Amen. Then a, a final guideline. Three guidelines. Confession, pray according to God's will. And the third guideline is we ought to pray with sincerity. Look in verse 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. He didn't just say any praying avails much. He said the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. In verse 17 it says that he prayed earnestly. He not only... He prayed earnestly, Elijah did. Now what do those things talk about? I think they're talking about sincerity. Being earnest. Being sincere. Being, being very focused. You know, I think insincerity, a lack of sincerity, is hypocrisy, really. You know, for me to pray for something and I'm not really serious about it, that would be hypocrisy. I love, the, I love the passage in Luke chapter 18 about this matter of prayer. When Jesus said, the two men went up to the temple to pray. The one was a Pharisee, the other was a publican. The one was a religious man, looked up to, respected. The other was a publican, looked down upon. And those two men went to pray. Two men went to pray. Two men went to the same place. Two men went to do the same thing. They went to pray. And I'll just give you a kind of an overview. Most of you know about it. But the prayer of the Pharisee went something like this. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other men are. <laughs> I, I, I thank you that, I mean, you know me, I fast. Twice a week, I give tithes of all that I possess. He was a, he was a very self-righteous man, right? The other man, speaking of praying for one another, please pray for her. <laughs> one, one was a very self-righteous man, a hypocrite. He was a hypocrite. He's in the house of God praying and his prayers are hypocrisy. They're just words. But there was another man. He was, he was a publican. Looked down upon the scum of the earth. Worked for the IRS. He's a tax collector. This was his prayer. God be merciful to me a sinner. Simple prayer. 
a simple prayer, but a sincere prayer. And Jesus asked the question, which one of these, which one of these do you think got his prayer answered? When it says here in James chapter 5, when it talks about earnestness and it's talking about effectual, look what it says in verse 16. The effectual fervent prayer. Fervent means with feeling, with passion, with sincerity. It's not how, it's not how, how long they prayed. It's not how loud they prayed. The Pharisees like to make long prayers, public prayers, that others might think highly of them. This is not, it's not about how pretty your prayer is. It just crossed my mind how in those first months after I got saved, and really for many months after that, year or longer, I was so nervous that I might get called on to pray in church. I was so afraid. What will I say? <laughs> Can I tell you? The important thing is not what your prayer sounds like. The important thing is the sincerity of your prayer. That we're sincere, we're genuine. God be merciful to me a sinner. Seven simple words. And he got his prayer answered. So the, the guidelines, I mean, it's clear in here. We, James talks about the privilege of prayer. He also talks about these different opportunities. When you have a problem, you pray. If you're really sick, ask somebody to pray for you. Let's pray for one another. Let's be serious about praying for our nation. All these are opportunities to pray. But when you pray, let's make sure we confess our sins. Be honest about it. That scripture in Matthew, when Jesus said, when you bring your gift to the altar, and there thou rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, Leave your gift, go be reconciled to your brother and come. You know what that's about? When you realize there's something that hadn't been made right, go make it right. That ought to be a part of our prayer life. Confessing our sin, being sincere, being genuine. Praying according to God's will. Lord, it's not, it's not important what I want. I want what you want. I want your will to be done. You know, sometimes I don't know what to pray for in situations. I'll tell you. But I can pray this simple prayer that Jesus said to pray, Thy will be done on earth. Is it in God, we want your will to be done. And pray with sincerity. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. It wasn't just saying words. It was coming from his heart. You and I don't know what's in a person's heart. We sometimes don't even know what's in our own heart. But the point is, if we're going to pray, we need to be sincere about it. We need to really, we need to really be serious about it. So a great passage tonight to me, a great passage of Scripture to encourage us about praying. We need to pray. We need to pray for one another. We need to pray for people that are hurting. We need to pray for our community. We need to pray that we could be alert to what God might want to do in our life, in our community, in our family. And I hope that you'll do that tonight. And if you don't have the confidence that God is your Father, that's the first thing you ought to be thinking about. How can I really pray if I don't even know that I'm a child of God? How can I really pray if I don't even know that God is my Father?